Hello, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. Our mission in this world is clear. We're here to love God and love people. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Good morning, West Valley Christian Church. How you doing today? It's good to have you all here. If you're online, it's great that you're here. Thanks for joining us today. I think I've just got an incredible Christmas gift. I mean, yesterday's amazing, but I get to be here today part of worship, and that to me is an incredible gift to be able to celebrate with family in Christ. So thank you all for being here. I want to start today, I, a couple of things. I, I need to, our timer is broken, so I need to actually have my, my phone sitting out here so I can see how long I'm going and not going and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm not checking scores or anything. I just want you to know that ahead of time. It's actually for Rob. If I say something wrong, he can text me really quick. And it's the only time he'll ever use an emoji is if it comes on here. Um, but I want to ask, so is there a time in your life when you've wanted a fresh start? Has there been a time in your life when you've needed a fresh start? See, I can think back in my life and there's been uh, several occasions, I would say, especially with my family when I'm growing up, that there are opportunities where I would need a fresh start. I remember when I was younger, I, know, I was four or five years old, my, my, my mom might have called me a precocious child. I asked a lot of questions. Questions didn't seem to make a lot of sense at the time. So we were sitting down eating dinner and sitting at the table, and I looked at her and I said, Mom, um, is it okay to eat bugs? And she looked at me and she said, okay, I've had enough. Greg, not at the dinner table. We do not discuss these kind of things at the dinner table. I'm going, but Mom, I just want to, she said, nope, not at the dinner table. And I went, all right, okay, sat there. And then after dinner, she said, okay. Now, what was the question you had? I said, it doesn't matter. The bug crawled off your plate. It's gone now. So one, night, one day we went to my, my grandmother's house for dinner, and, and it, was, she, it was great. I mean, I was, I was happy to be there. So we went to sit down at the table. My grandmother had tons of food separated out on the table. I sat down, I grabbed a fork, I started loading my plate up and started eating, and my mom said, Greg, stop. At our house, we say grace. I said, yeah, I know, but we're at grandma's house, and she knows how to cook. Have you ever had an opportunity where you felt like you needed a, a fresh start? <laughs> okay, so when I was younger, I, I, I worked at a, a church in, in Reseda, Reseda Baptist Church, and I, I, uh, I, I was trying to be a, a, a good pastor. I was trying to be the best pastor. I was trying to make sure I did everything right, which that you fail right there starting. But I, I did. I, I'm going to make every decision proper. And I'm standing in the foyer one day, and a guy walks in. He's new to the church. And he sees me, he walks up to me and says, Pastor, um, can you pray for my hearing? And I looked at him and go, yeah, definitely, definitely. So I saw people standing around, and I'm going, like, I'm going to make this right. So I took my hands, I put them onto his ears. And I started praying out loud. I'm going, God, improve this man's hearing, open these ears up, make this work. And people start stepping around, and they're, they're like praying with me, and it's passionate. And I'm just going in this really praying hard. And then I pulled my hands off, and I, looked at him and I said, okay, did it help? And he said, I don't know. My hearing's tomorrow morning at Van Nuys Courthouse. <laughs> Have you ever felt like you needed a fresh start? Let's pray. Father God, you're amazing. You brought us here today. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you that everyone who's watching online is part of this church. I pray that we're part of this church, Lord, that we glorify you together in worship. Thank you. May your name be glorified. Amen. So when I was growing up... Um, I had an Etch-A-Sketch. You guys remember those? I actually had two Etch-A-Sketches. 
the first one I tried to figure out how it worked. So my mom had to buy a new one. But the, so the, these things are awesome. I mean, you could make all kinds of really cool things with them. Like the, they, they work with this, this whole process where this, 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 this aluminum oxide powder sticks to the screen and then this, this stylus goes across it and it, it, it makes all these cool pictures. And I've, you can look online with these things and see where people have made pictures of the Taj Mahal. People have made pictures of the Eiffel Tower and it looks amazing. It is incredible. I was lucky to get a line from one side of the thing to the other. I mean, I could not do it that way. For me, the best feature of this thing was the fact I could flip it over, shake it, turn it back, and all of a sudden I have a fresh start. I wish life was like that sometimes. I wish it was that easy for us to get a fresh start. But I think sometimes what happens is we get caught up in things in our life that cause us to go in directions we never anticipated or never intended to go into. But we get wrapped up into things. And I don't know, maybe it's things that we've done. Maybe it's things that we've got involved with because someone else has done. Maybe it's stuff where we think we're being tested by God. I know from my own life, I talk to God on a regular basis, say, God, am I being tested? And he looks at me and goes, no, I think you're testing my patience. <laughs> I, th- I think there's so many things that we can get ourselves caught up in, we lose track and we need a fresh start. I think that's where Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were at. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to uh, Daniel 1. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, or if, you're, you know, if you've got a phone, the version is a great app to have on your phone. Um, if you're online and you guys need a Bible, I'm just going to throw this out there. Put it in the chat room and let us contact you, and we'll get a Bible to you. We believe in God's word here at the church, and that reading this is going to change your life. So let's go ahead and start. Daniel 1. Okay, and we're going to go through, um, I think, verse 7. So, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles for the temple. These he carried off the temple and put them in the temple of his God in Babylonia, and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for everything, for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. After that, they were into the king's service. Among these of the chosen were Judah, Daniel from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. The chief official came, gave them new names. To Daniel, he named Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach and Azariah Abednego. So, these guys are basically rich kids. Okay? They are, they are the children of the elite in Jerusalem. So, the group that was, that was kind of ruling Jerusalem at times, the Sadducees, and they were the rich elite. And they were the ones that were in charge of the temple. And everybody was wrapping around them because they all believed the temple was what kept them safe. They had the temple. Well, their kids, they would have felt 
like they understood everything, but these guys are probably 13, 14 years old. Their entire life, they would have felt secure because they were told they had the temple. So they would have known the law, but no one was really following the law. So what was happening is these guys were living a life where they weren't truly committed. And that's where God looked at Israel at that time, looked at Judah and said, I'm going to pick you up and move you someplace. I'm going to move you to a place where you can understand you need change. So he took the entire nation and put them into Babylon. So when the king said, I want to bring some kids into service, this is what they would normally do. They'd bring kids into service from nations they had conquered, and it was a good way to culturally blend their people. But they was looking for people to be intelligent, understand the law, know things, and become physically healthy and fit because they wanted to look right in that nation, which I found out I'm apparently very wise according to their nation because from history, you can look back and see that what they considered their wisdom to be, their wise people to be, is portly and bald. So apparently, that was the good thing. This is the food they're serving them to make them portly and bald. I'm not sure how that, that all plays out, but, I, but apparently I'd fit really well into this area. But So these guys are supposed to learn this and build, and yet at the same time they're thinking, this is not our culture. This is not what we grew up with. This is not the law that we understood we were supposed to follow. And we know we're here because we weren't following the law. We know we lost because we weren't following God and we want to be set apart for God. So this is what they did. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of the Lord of the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed them, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please touch your servant for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare your, our appearance to that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed and tested them for ten days. The story comes out that after ten days, they looked better than everybody else. They looked wiser, stronger, and better. See, Daniel knew his, his people had done something wrong. And yet, now he's in an entirely different world, a different culture, a different place, where he doesn't have any ability to be in control of anything that's happening in his life. And yet he still said, I'm going to find a way to be set apart. Something that was within my control is food. Let me start there. And because of that, he was given a fresh start. He and his friends did that, and they had a fresh start, and God used it. And he literally changed the world through those four guys. The things that we think are not controllable in our lives, we look at the big pictures Sometimes, 
it starts with a very small thing, an easy thing for us to be able to change. And then through that, God can give us that fresh start. Turning your Bibles to uh, John 8. There's another story of someone who needed a fresh start. John 8, verse 2. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis to accuse him. So, Jesus is in the temple, and the ruling elite at this point in time in the temple of the Pharisees. And they bring in a woman who's been caught in adultery, throw her before Christ, and say, tell us, does she live or die? Christ is clearly upset by this. But I think the reason he's upset mostly is that these Pharisees didn't care at all about this woman. Not so much even because of the specific things she'd done. They didn't care about her at all. She was collateral damage to them. They were trying to use her to trick him. And they didn't care who they hurt in that process. See, if he had chosen one way and said, go ahead and stone her, he would have lost all the support of the people. If he had said that, no, don't stone her, then he would have been against Mosaic law. Either way, according to them, he lost. But according to Christ, he's looking at this woman going, you guys don't have compassion. You don't even understand what the law was for. You don't understand anything. See, if they had actually stoned everyone in Jerusalem who was doing something according to the law that required them to be stoned, no one would be left to throw rocks. They were so far away from the law because of how they were living that using this to attack someone was just abhorrent. So Jesus responded. He said, But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to walk away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus was addressing these people where they were at. And the best part here is there were two different groups, two different people who needed a fresh start. Both this woman, who was in a terrible situation, who had the most intimate parts of her bad decisions laid open for the public. And then there's the Pharisees, 
who would rather break the law themselves by bringing in a woman who they found in adultery into the temple than honor it. And Jesus looks at him and just says, but he was without sin to it. The Pharisees had the opportunity for a fresh start. They could have chosen to change. They could have recognized, oh my gosh, we are horrible. And they could have chosen to go a different direction. They didn't. They walked away in shame because their foolproof plan made them look like fools. The woman, she looked at Christ and recognized what he'd done for her. And the Bible doesn't say what happened to her. It doesn't say if she took the fresh start and changed her life. I can only hope she could. She did. See, the reality is we are all in a situation where we need to have change. It doesn't matter what we've done, sorry, where we come from. It doesn't matter what sins we have in our life, whatever we don't, whatever, whatever we put ourselves into, it doesn't really matter. There will be a point in our life where we need a fresh start, where we need to change. And a fresh start comes with change. I think one of the big challenges on that is that we don't necessarily like change. We don't want to change what we are. We just want the fresh start that goes along with it. Unless, of course, change comes to us on our own terms. I told you I was worked at a church in Reseda, and I was standing in the foyer one day, and a guy walked in and said, um, Sir, I'd like to do a funeral here. Um, my dog just died, and I'd like you to perform a funeral here at the church for him. And I looked at him, and I'm going, uh, I'm sorry, buddy, we don't do that. We don't do funerals for dogs. It's a church. I mean, come on, be realistic. I mean, that, that's not part of our tradition. And it's not, um, it, go down the street to a park or something and do it, or see if you can go to another church down and see if they'll do it for you. And he goes, okay, I understand, I understand. And he starts to walk out. And when he stops, he, he looks at me and says, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, sir, I can I ask a question? I, I don't really, I've never done this before. Is $50,000 enough to do a good funeral? So I looked and said, excuse me, sir, I'm sorry, I misunderstood something. You didn't tell me your dog was a Baptist. <laughs> See, if we agree with the terms of the change, it's easy to change. But God looks at us and says, no, you need to be different. You need to be different and get away from the thing that's put you in the problem that you're in. We need to not try and be the authors as much as the recipients of the fresh start. We need to let God guide us. That's difficult. That's difficult for me in my life. Go ahead and turn to Exodus 32. So, Moses was called by God to lead the Jews out of slavery in Egypt. They had completely been put into a situation that they couldn't control themselves. They were taken from a, a group of people who needed help and subjugated and turned into slaves. And they'd been there for many years. And they cried out to God over and over and over again. And he sent Moses to them and said, lead these people out. He called out to Pharaoh, let my people go. Well, 
That whole process went through. He brought them out of Egypt. And when they left Egypt, Egypt walked up to these guys and said, basically, we are very sorry for what we've done. And they dumped money on them. They gave them gold. They gave them jewels. They gave them cattle. They gave them everything they needed. They gave them food. They gave them tons of wealth to go with them. So this nation of people is being taken by Moses to the promised land that God set aside for them with a ton of wealth. And yet, they still didn't quite understand that God was giving them a fresh start, but that meant they needed to change who they were. And they still complained. They complained several times on this journey. Well, they got to the Mount, uh, the Mount Sinai, and Moses goes up to the top of the mountain where God is to get the law. And they know that God's up there because they can see fireworks going on on top of the mountain. They know that the mountain is holy. They can't even touch it or they're going to die. They recognize God is right here in front of us. And yet, they still wanted to grumble. Chapter 32. When the people saw Moses was was long in coming down the mountain. They gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their, their earrings and brought them to Aaron. So he took what they handed him and he made it an idol cast in the shape of a calf fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. Now it's kind of interesting to note here that the word Lord there is the name of God. So what Aaron is telling him, this cattle, this calf that I've built, this piece of gold that's in front of you, is God, is the one doing the fireworks up on the mountain, is the one that had the power and brought you out of Egypt. Here is your God that you can control. Because to them, they wanted all the power of a fresh start. They just wanted to be able to control it. They wanted to be the ones who were in charge. I get that. I get that. When God is asking us to change, we, we want the forgiveness. We want the grace. But it's so easy to want to hold on to the thing that we are being forgiven for. There's something about human beings we like being wrapped in the sin that's around us. When I was a kid, I, uh, I was like four years old. My, uh, I loved playing outside. And my... Uh, my, my dad was out in the backyard. He was doing some, some lawn work and that kind of thing. And, there, and there, was, there was a big puddle that was on the side where he had, he had run a lot of water. And it was a big mud puddle. And I walked outside and I saw it. And I went, oh, that looks like fun. So I ran back in the house. And I got my, my G.I. Joes. And I got my, my, my Hot Wheels. And I ran outside. And I'm playing around this thing for half an hour or so. So I'm a four-year-old playing around in a puddle of mud for half an hour. You can kind of envision what I looked like. Okay, I am covered in mud from head to toe. All right, I stood up, I walked back into the house, and the second I stepped in the house, there was my mom who had been cleaning the house, 
And she saw me step on the rug. And the second I stepped on the rug, she looks at me and goes, Greg! And she puts her hand out like this. Well, I was four. I thought she was playing a game. She's running after me, and I'm running around the house. All these guys, for, oh, you can kind of imagine what this would have looked like. I'm spreading this all over the place. Well, that's kind of what we do. We want to be wrapped around the stuff and just continue to run around and, and not let go of it. And what God is looking to do is to change us and clean us and get that stuff to go away. Many years ago, well, that many, it was a couple years ago, I took, a, I took a group from the church here up to San Francisco area. We worked in Bethel Island on the docks. And some of you here have been up there with me. We would work on the docks. It was a, kind of a halfway house for people who were recovering from things that put them on the streets. And it was a variety of different things. But they would, they would be living on the streets and then get put into this house. They would stay there for a year in this program and then be able to learn new life skills. Things that brought them up to a place where they could actually thrive in this world. It was a great program. Well, one of the nights, when we were there, we actually drove into San Francisco to advertise this to people and to get more people to be able to come to the house. What we did, we went into the Tenderloin District, which is not a good area. And we're walking around this area, and we would see people who were laying in gutters, sides of buildings, literally laying in their own filth. And they had just shot up, or they were coming down off of something, or any number of things. And we'd walk up to a person and say, look, God loves you. We have an opportunity here for you. All i got to do is make a phone call. There's going to be a bus that's going to come by. You can get into it. If, you, if it was a person who was high, they were on drugs, we could take them into rehab. As soon as they were done in rehab, they would move over to this transitional living place that we were working with, and they could stay there for a year, all for free. Everything was taken care of, all the food, all the housing, everything was being done for them. All they had to do was say yes. Not one person said yes that entire night. We gave them cards and said, call this number. Even when we're gone, someone will come and pick you up. All you have to do is ask. From my understanding, from that night we were there, not one person called. We get stuck in this as a people. The sin that we are connected to, we are so used to it. We hold on to it so easily. And I don't know why. I do it. Maybe it's it's because inside I don't really want to. I enjoy it. I don't know. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's fear that I really can't change. That I won't be able to accept that fresh start. I think that's where the problem or that's where the solution really starts. I think the reality is that not only can we change, but God made us able to change. He believes we can change. For that reason alone, we should believe it. See, God doesn't define us because of our mistakes. He defines us because of who he created us to be. We are his children. We are not the sum total of the bad choices we've made. If that was the case, trust me, I wouldn't be here right now. We are forgiven through Christ, and because of that, able to understand a fresh start. That is power. That is amazing. We look on our mistakes as things that we hold and think, that's what I've got to remember. No. I'm telling you, forget all that stuff. Thomas Edison had a factory 
where he did all his manufacturing in. It was in New Jersey. And in 1914, his factory burned to the ground. It was ash from one side of it to the other. The day after the fire, he was walking through and a reporter who was there doing a story on it walked up to him and said, so what are you going to do now? He'd lost millions. He looked around, he saw the ash, and he said, well, all of our mistakes are burned up and gone. We can start new. That's a fresh start. That's what we've given. We're given on a regular basis. All we have to do is look at it, grab it, see it. It's right in front of us. I think sometimes the simplest things to see are the hardest. So years ago, I went to uh, Pepperdine University. It was where I went to seminary. And I was, uh, I was there for, for several years. It's a beautiful college. I highly recommend it. Um, they've got some great programs. Like one of the things that they do, they will actually, and I don't know, they still do this, but they did at the time, they, they will actually set up parents to be able to stay at the college for a couple of days so they can see what's going on. They can attend a class. They can walk around, they can tour, they can go to the cafeteria, they can actually see what the college is like. So they'll know whether or not to send their children there. And I'm up at the top of the, uh, of the, the campus where there's this monolith. And George Pepperdine built this, in, this huge monolith. It, it's, it literally has to go up, I don't know, 100 feet. It's this huge thing that has a cross on it that aims out and points to Malibu. The whole purpose of this is to make sure that everybody in Malibu and everybody who comes by sees that this school is a Christian school and represents Christ. Well, I'm walking around the top near this, and I see a, one of the parents in one of these programs standing there, and he's staring up at it like this. And as I walked by, he grabbed me and said, excuse me, sir, do you go here? And I said, yeah. I said, this college is Pepperdine, right? I said, yeah, Pepperdine University. He said, with a P, right? I said, yeah, Pepperdine. He said, what's the T stand for? I looked at him, and I just kind of said, well, so that's easy. Stands for Christianity. <laughs> I got to meet the dean of the college at that point in time. He asked me not to talk to parents any longer <laughs> after that. But it's like, that's it. The simplest things sometimes are the hardest for us to grab a hold of, and they're right there in front of us. See, God created everyone with the ability for us to change, for the ability of us to grab a hold of that was right in front of us. He put that inside of us. He gave us this power. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise up again. Okay, the righteous, that's us. We're not talking about people who don't know God. We're talking about the righteous fall seven times and continue to get up. God knew from the beginning we are going to make mistakes and gave us the ability to change and grow. He gave us the ability to recognize this is not where we should be. And on top of that, he poured in power. Isaiah 43, 18 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Can you see it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is building a new place for us because we've changed. He's willing to recreate the world for us. The things that we think can never change because of the mistakes we've made, God can change them. They may not look exactly the same. 
He's going to rebuild it to where it's something that we are able to live. That's the power that God wants to pour into us. And the thing is, it's got to start with us accepting it. And that acceptance starts with repentance and confession. That's hard. John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. This is crucial. If we are unwilling to accept the fact that we have sinned, we're still bound by it. If we think we're right, we're never going to be able to accept that free choice. We need to let go of the past in order to lay hold of the future. That is accepting that fresh start. We also have to start by being honest with ourselves. And I know that's, that's difficult, um, especially for men. I know there are times in our lives when we do things, when, when we, we are sure that it's the right thing and the best thing to do. We're not being honest with ourselves. There's a, there's a preacher that, uh, that I, I know of, and I watched the sermon, and, and he was thinking, this is the best sermon I've ever preached. No, it's not Rob. Um, he's thinking, this is the best sermon I've ever preached. This is, this is, this is, this is amazing. This, is good. this should be written down in history as the best sermon ever preached. And he preaches it. And as he's done, he walks out to the foyer, and a man walks up to him and says, Sir, um, that sermon made me think of the, the, the peace and love of God. And the priest starts smiling, thinking to himself, wait a minute, that, that really wasn't what this sermon was about. And he says, well, what do you mean? The man looked at him and said, well, it made me think of the peace of God because it goes well beyond mankind's understanding. And it made me think of the love of God because it endures forever. And that sermon was understandable and went on forever. <laughs> the guy wasn't being honest with himself. And we need to be honest with ourselves to understand what God wants us to do. I think another thing we need to do is understand the goal. The goal of us having a fresh start and a new look in life is for us. John 10.10 says, Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and have it abundantly. The whole purpose of us being in relationship with God is for us to have an abundant life. And what we'll do is, as humans is think, great, that means I'm going to score. I'm going to win big. I'm going to become rich. I'm going to become wealthy. That's what the television preachers tell us. You know? You're going to become rich and wealthy because you are in a relationship with God. I'm going to be perfectly honest and tell you that if all we are thinking about, about an abundant life is becoming wealthy and rich and having a bunch of toys, um, we're aiming too low. Because God has got way more in plan for us than that. Amen. That's nothing. God wants to be in relationship with us that makes that stuff look like dirt. God wants us to be able to take the gifts that he's given us and do something with it. To take that fresh start and run with it. When I was in high school, I played football. And uh, there, was a, uh, there was a team that we played. Uh, I played on the line. So, I mean, if you ever play football and you're, you play on the line, I mean, it's a lot of work. But I played at a small school. So we played Ironman football. And you played both, e both defense and offense. So it, you learned a lot, but at the same time, it was a lot of work. 
Well, so we played a school that had a special play. It was just a, it was just a screenplay. But it worked really effectively for them. And our, our coaches had scouted it, and they told us about it. And they said, okay, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go up and hit the guy, and then it's going to look like he's blocking you, and he's going to let you through. And then as soon as he lets you through, you run toward the quarterback, and the quarterback's just going to bloop the ball right over your head to the tight end, and then he's going to run ahead with five blockers in front of him. So be careful to watch out for this. Well, I hit the guy in front of me, and I blocked him for a second, and all of a sudden I went flying through. And I realized that was way too easy. And then I thought, oh, screen, no, this is happening. So I took a step and I stopped and everybody else ran toward the guy and he tosses the ball up over their heads and I see it and I jumped up in the air and I tipped it. And I'm thinking, interception here. And I jump up and I tip it and it starts flying up. And then all of a sudden people saw that and a bunch of people come over to try and grab it. And as I fell down to the ground, I looked and all of a sudden the ball's in my hands. I'd caught it. I made the interception. And I'm sitting there grabbing this thing going, great. Well, then what do you do with it? I'm a lineman. Uh, they, don't, they don't teach you that. Okay, so I'm going, like, I'm, I'm going this way. I'm running toward the goal. So I grab this. I start running toward the goal. And there's this like human Jenga thing of people over here trying to find where they thought the ball landed. They didn't even see me. So I'm running for it. The only person who saw me catch the ball was the quarterback. And he runs up and tries to tackle me and hits me and bounces kind of off. And he grabs me. And I dragged him for 20 yards as I'm running toward it before someone else caught up to me and knocked me down. It's like... That was the whole point. I needed to run with that thing, not just sit there and go, great, I caught it. Well, that's, I think, what we do sometimes. We, we take our fresh start and go, great, I took the fresh start. Well, what God is doing is say, run with it. I'm giving you so much more. Pick it up and use it. Tell other people about it. Use the fact that I have given you a new life and help others see the need for a new life. God throws us the ball. He wants us to pick it up and run. That is an abundant life. So God's been planning for a long time, knowing that we will need a fresh start. In, in, in the Old Testament, the Mosaic Law, it talks about something called a year of Jubilee. And that was a setup that every seven years, all debts were forgiven. The purpose of it was to know that people were going to get themselves into a bind and need help. At the end of seven years, they could start over. God set that up in the original law, intentionally knowing that we will need to have a cycle of redemption, forgiveness, and reconciliation. The purpose of this is so that we can live a new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled himself toward, reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciled to the world, to himself in Christ. Reconcil- I'm sorry. That God was reconciled to the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. All right, this whole idea that he's talking about here is, first of all, we got to forget the past. We are not of the past. We are a new creation. The old is gone. The things that you're forgiven from are gone. You don't need to hold those things with you. You don't need to, to, to carry them around with you. They're burned up in the fire. They're done with. 
And then the step after that is to accept the fact that you have now been reconciled with God. And that reconciliation is him wanting to spend life with you. C.S. Lewis talked about it as a dance. He referred to us living in relationship with God like a dance. God, the Spirit, and Christ surrounding us in this dance. There's a band called Cademan's Call. They wrote a song about this. It says, the lyrics go, All creation moves in a cosmic dance. Before the Lord, her king, all the rhythms, the rhyme, the reason of the dance pulls within everything. And the universe wheels and whirls like a dervish in perfect seven-step harmony. The Lord made the dance. He taught her the steps, and he causes the songs to shine. I love this idea that God is saying from the very beginning, he wants to be in relationship with us. Not at a distance where we show up to church and we just be part of it every now and then, but every step of every day. We are God's children. You have been given the power of God to do your daily, everyday life. And I think sometimes we walk around not recognizing that and miss out. God is saying, fresh start every day. Be with me. Be part of that dance. Sometimes we need a fresh start. Sometimes we just have to take a break from the stuff we've done and say, you know what, I'm done with it. I'm moving on. I'm going to be in that relationship with God. I'm going to accept that. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to change who I am. And I'm going to be right with God. I, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what that thing is you need a fresh start in. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's tithing. Maybe it's coming back to church. Maybe it's a relationship with your neighbor. Maybe it's a relationship with your wife. I don't know where you are in needing a fresh start. Maybe it's a new start and stepping into that baptismal. We live for that here. But I do know this. No matter what, God has given you the ability to do it. If you are hearing this sermon, you are being told by God right here, right now, you can change today. Pick it up and run with it. Christ said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've come from. He's offering that to us all. All we got to do is ask. Father, may your name be glorified in our lives and, and what we do. May we see you, and I pray for everyone here to avail themselves to that, Father. May we take your fresh start. May we allow our lives to be changed by you. May we take part in that dance. May we live for you. And Father, may that change this world. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, 
Please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Forget all my rebellion.